take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Verse 11 is uh, our focal verse this morning. And my wife is just realizing that I left my Bible on the front pew along with my tablet. So if you could bring, bring those to me, honey, I'd appreciate it. 5811 is our focal verse, and that was the verse that I read uh, during one of the songs. But we really, we've got to get into that verse from the rest of the, the chapter. Uh, these verses, this verse, is the result of our... Uh, time of prayer and fasting, 30 days, it's actually like 24-ish days, uh, but you can take it the full 30 if you'd like, um, of prayer and fasting for this new year, and uh, Tom came up with the verses and the theme for the week, and this week's theme, or I'll say the Lord gave him the verses and the theme, and this week's theme is God alone satisfies. So, I was praying and looking for verses to, to preach that would say that that would would reinforce this week's theme it came to 5811 uh but then i read the whole chapter and i thought wow lord this is just just what you're doing isn't it but before we get into that before we see it let me let me ask you a question on a cold day uh and we have very few of them around here i realize that but on a cold day when it's really cold maybe you've been outside working in the cold or playing in the cold what do you want to eat Gumbo, because I'm in South Louisiana, absolutely. Survey said, yep, see, that's the one I put first. Uh, give me another one. Chili. Yep. How about another one? Whoa, it just got weird. Okay. Um, beef stew was what I put next. And I am not a bowl food person. I only like, the only bowl food I really, really like, now I eat a lot of soups and chilies and I'm fine with it, but the only bowl food I really like is what I call cold milk soup, cereal. Um, that's all I like in a bowl. So on a cold day, I want, survey says, chicken fried steak. Uh, I want that, but I still want that hot meal, right? Nobody ever says, boy, it's cold outside, I'm tired, I'd love to have a cold ham sandwich on white bread. Nobody says that, right? Because we understand, we know physically what this, the hot meal does for us. We know how it comforts us. We know how it, dare I say, satisfies us. Well, Scripture tells us that, that even a hot meal does not compare to the satisfaction that we can only find in God. And, and this morning, our, our theme, our a uh, big idea that you might want to go home with. Cold religion doesn't satisfy. Only the warm relationship with our Heavenly Father does. That is the theme. That's the, the, the general theme of the scriptures you've read this week as you've participated in our prayer and fasting. If you've got one of those booklets, if you didn't get one last week, uh, we have more at the Connection Center so you can grab one. And that was the broad theme of those passages, and this is the theme I want us to drill down on this morning. Again, our focal passage for today is Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring whose waters 
never run dry. And if, if that's the only thing you leave with, if you only leave with the big idea that cold religion doesn't satisfy, only the warm relationship with our Heavenly Father does, if that and Isaiah 58, 11 are the two things you only leave with this morning, that's good enough. You can see it. You can hear it. You can experience God with that this morning. But we, we really can't stop there. We really, really need to look at this chapter because it's what, uh, it's what God is saying around this verse, really, that opens that verse up to us this morning, particularly in, our, in the midst of our prayer and fasting. Starting in verse 1, chapter 58 says, Cry out loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Oh, it's not going to be that good of a... Uh, uh, message it doesn't sound like well, well we'll we'll get there so he's telling the prophet do this verse two they seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their god they ask me for righteous judgments they delight in the nearness of god if the bible had air quotes there would be air quotes around verse two God doing that. You're a fan of friends, picture Joey. Okay? Because then he asked the question, verse 3, Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? The people asked this question. We've denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. And we get to the crux of the matter. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Read air quotes again. Isn't this the fast I choose, God says, to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free? To tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the poor and homeless into your house? To clothe the naked when you see him? And, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn. And your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. And the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing, the malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will be rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasure or a talking business, then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the heights of the land. And let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord 
has spoken. So in this passage that, that speaks to much, it speaks to God alone can satisfy, but it, it speaks clearly to what we are attempting to do as a church through this time in prayer and fasting to seek the Lord and seek his will, to be on mission with him, to join him in what he's doing. As God speaks through Isaiah, he is showing us that the disciplines aren't bad, but they must be done with the right intent and heart. The, the discipline of fasting isn't bad, but fasting must be done with the right intent and the right heart. What we see in the first five verses is self-satisfaction. Honestly, though, self-satisfaction can come from any religious rite, and that's R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H-T. Any religious rite, but satisfaction in God is not guaranteed without relationship. We will have a cold religion if we go through rites without the relationship with the Lord. So fasting, pointless without a relationship. Church attendance, pointless, cold without a relationship with the Lord. Our worship, as warm as it may feel, is pointless and cold without a relationship with the Lord. Our giving, financially or of our time, is cold and pointless without a relationship with the Lord. Any rite, any ritual that we attempt in order to try to please God or make ourselves feel better about our faith or impress other people and make them think we are better than we are, all of those leave a cold, dead religion in our hands where God has wanted to place his warm hand of relationship and love. And so we see that as we move through this passage, uh, starting in verse 1, verses 1 through 5, we see the self-satisfaction of this cold religious rite, this, this cold religious uh, attempt to do something for God. If you look at that first verse, and as we said, cry out loudly, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, he tells to Isaiah, herald what you are about to say, uh, blow the shofar which was a time for the shofar, the curly ram's horn that they, they blow, they blew to call the people to attention, to call the uh, people to temple, to call them to worship, to call them to war. Blow that. It is that important, Isaiah, that you get their attention. And when you have their attention, tell them about their sin, about their transgression. Tell them that their discipline, their fasting is sin. Fasting is not sin. The Bible actually though, God himself only called the Jewish people to one day of fasting a year, the atone, day of atonement. They were to fast for their sins and then that was the only day that the Bible, that God himself called them to fast. There are a couple of other spots where it's suggested, but any other time that people, the people of God were called to fast, it was by their leaders, normally, usually, to call them to repentance of some kind, but certainly to hear the Lord as he would speak to them. And that's the time that we should fast. God is telling the uh, 
the people of Israel through Isaiah that your fasting, your discipline is sin. Not because they, he didn't command it, not because it wasn't his will that they do it, but because, verse 2, what their intent was. Their intent is manipulation of God. Verse 2, he says, and here are our air quotes, You seek me day after day. You delight to know my ways. You're just like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. You ask me for righteous judgments. You delight in the nearness of me. It's sarcasm. It's not true about them. They are going through a religious rite. They are going through this, this, this factory-produced act only so that they can get these things from God. Oh, you, you, want, you want righteous judgments from me. You want nearness from me. The implication here, the, the hidden message is, well, you're about to get a righteous judgment from me. You don't want a righteous judgment from me because right now you are far from me. You are doing things to manipulate me, and that doesn't work. Now, I'll give you a little time stamp of when uh, this prophecy would take place. This is after, the, uh, after Israel has come out of exile in Babylon. This is after they've gone home. They should be rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls. It mentions there at the end of the passage. That's what Isaiah is prophesying about. At that time, these things will happen. Be careful, he's saying, because you will do certain things to try to manipulate God and get his hands, and you don't need to do that. It does not work. Verse 3a, the first part of verse 3, they were choosing this ritual over relationship. Verse 3 says, we have fasted, or why have we fasted, rather? But you have not seen. We've denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Whine, whine, whine. I'm hungry, God, and you didn't notice I was hungry for you. Well, you weren't hungry for God. You were hungry for food. See, fasting is to increase our hunger for the Lord. Whatever that you're fasting from, today uh, we encourage, if, if food isn't a fast that you can take part in, it may be something else. Maybe you give up a particular food for a time. Maybe you give up, for a lot of folks right now, social media. I'm off social media for this time. I'm going to get away from something that I do regularly so that I can focus on God more. And when I hunger for that thing, I'm going to channel that hunger to a hunger for the Lord and not for the thing, not for the food, not for the interaction, not for the whatever it is. I'm going to turn that and hunger for the Lord. But what the people were doing, God says, is you were choosing to just go through this action thinking I would look down and say, oh, they're fasting. All right, well, here are the blessings. Good job, y'all. Glad you didn't eat. Um, real impressed with that. A whole day. Wow, y'all are special. You're important. All right, here you go. Just I'll, I'll, I'll get, Got any more? You know, God's up to just making it rain. That's what they want. That's not what they get. He points out you've chosen the, the, the ritual over the relationship. Verse 3b and, and, and 4 and 5. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife. You strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? Like the fast you're doing? 
a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Will you go through all these little rituals you won't eat and sackcloth and ashes and, oh, I'm so hungry, and think I'm going to respond positively with blessings to that? He's telling them, you are achieving the letter of fasting and completely ignoring the spirit of fasting. You do this fake fast. You do this ritual that you think is going to get you what you want. And that is nothing like what I want from you. And he, he lists a number of things they're doing in the midst of their fast. You fast, but you do as you please. You oppress all your workers. You, you, you pull out from uh, eating, uh, but you don't do anything to allow your workers to fast. Or possibly you make them double their load because you're not doing what you need to. You fast with contention and strife in the midst of the, the, uh, your fast. You are fighting, you are lying, you are backbiting, you are slandering. You're striking viciously with your fist. You've, you've taken it not just to words of violence, but acts of violence. You can't do that. You can't fast the way you're fasting today and expect me to hear you. That's what he says in the second half of verse 4. Is this the kind of fast I will choose? Verse 5. All the right outward trappings, everything that looks like a good and holy and pious fast, while on the inside and by your actions you're doing all of these things that are completely against what I have told you to do. Well, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Verses 6 and 7, God makes clear to them that disciplines should lead to godliness. And by disciplines, I'm talking about Christian disciplines, which would be fasting or uh, sacrifice, worship, giving, service, uh, uh, those sorts of things, things that we discipline ourselves, that we have to rein ourselves in and do purposefully, otherwise we won't do them at all. See, it's not a bad thing to discipline ourselves. It's a bad thing when we believe that all we have to do is the simple act and God is going to respond to it without any change in our heart due to it. Discipline should lead to godliness. Because he makes clear, you, you think this is the fast you should choose? No, 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 no. <laughs> Isn't this the fast I choose, verse 6? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Wait a minute, Lord. Can't I just give up donuts? No Facebook for a couple of weeks? Isn't that good enough? And he says, oh, no, child, no. Um, What I want from you is a change of heart and a change of life, not a change of diet or a change of computer habits. If those things encourage you to change your heart and your life, great. But if they don't, quit. He's not impressed with your actions. He's impressed with your heart and intent. So he says in verse 6, fast from oppression. You want to show me a fast that means something? Fast from doing the things you're not supposed to be doing. Fast from that. Then God says, I will notice what you're doing. In this case, for these people, it was oppression of of the poor. 
And that may not be uh, uh, what we are doing, but there are plenty of times when we oppress others, when we are tools of Satan, a messenger of Satan, sent to be a thorn in somebody's side. You are a tool of Satan. Pull back from that and say, no, I am not going to be used as a means of oppression. I am not going to allow myself to oppress other people. I'm going to fast from those things that my body, my flesh wants to do. I'm going to stop doing that. Or verse 7, he says, give up so others can have. If you're not eating today, if you're fasting from food, you're putting aside food today, then give that food to somebody who doesn't have food. Wow. If you're going to not eat lunch, maybe you should buy lunch for somebody else. If you're going to give up something, show me your heart has changed and turn around and give that something to somebody else. Use what you are giving up to do something for someone else. Give up so others can have. God says, you want me to see your fast? You want me to respond to your fast? Then let your discipline lead to godliness and not to sin. Don't use your fast to sin or as an excuse to. And then verses 8 through 12. If we use these disciplines, if we use fasting to turn us to godliness, then we will find, verses 8 through 12, godly satisfaction. And we're going to kind of jump around a little bit in this group of verses because that's kind of the way God gave it to Isaiah as he said it. Then your light will appear, verse 8, like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. The Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At the time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Let's stop there for just a second. When you fast and give up things, you won't miss them. When you discipline yourself and say, Lord, for a time I'm giving this up for you to hear from you, to follow you in discipline and obedience, he says you won't miss those things when you give them up because I will satisfy you. I will always lead you. In a parched land, when you're thirsty, I'll give you something to drink. When you're hungry, I'll strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden. You will continue to grow. You will continue to thrive. But like a spring whose water never runs dry, does the spring just feed itself? No, a spring feeds everything around it. So when you alone find your satisfaction in God alone, you aren't alone in finding satisfaction. You give satisfaction to others. Don't believe me? Well, let's look. First, we see obedience born of relationship. Godly satisfaction is obedience born of relationship. Eight, the first part, 8a. Then you're a light will appear like the dawn. Your recovery will come quickly. Why? Because you have been obedient. 
because you have fasted and given up, and then you have been obedient to me in how you gave up and what you did with that fast. Verse, second half of verse 9, if you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and the malicious speaking, if you put aside your sin, you don't just put aside food, you don't just put aside Facebook, but you put aside your sin, like you stop doing those things, obedience, but why? Because you have a relationship with me. Verse uh, 10, uh, A, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy, satisfy the afflicted one, if you are doing all of these things that you know I told you to do, but not just because I told you to do them. I mean, that's, that's what we say as parents. We don't want to give a 10-minute explanation of why the room should be cleaned up. Why? Because I said so. God doesn't want a because I said so. God doesn't want a because I said so response. That's plenty. That should be enough. But God wants us to respond in obedience because we have a relationship with him. We want, when, or he wants, when he says, do this, we say, why? And he says, why do you think? Because you love me and I love you. And he says, booyah. God says that sometimes. Exactly. Because you have a relationship with me and you know that if I tell you to do something or not to do something, it is for your good and not for your harm. Obedience, born of relationship. Godly satisfaction is found when our satisfaction in God will lead us to satisfy others. I think I said that a couple of minutes ago. Verse 10, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday. Verse 12, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins, and you will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. Very literally, very particularly, he is talking about rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the city. Rebuilding the temple, there would be people that when they seek God and try to find where he is working, they will find that he is trying to build up his people again, trying to strengthen them, trying to bring them home so they can be a missionary people to the rest of the world. Very literally, that's what he's talking about. But to us today, as we follow in obedience, as we find godly satisfaction in our disciplines, we find that we will be building people up instead of tearing them down. We find that we will be lifting Jesus instead of hiding him because of our actions. We find that we will be satisfying other people who are looking for something in this world and they hear about this Jesus and they look at these Jesus followers and they find that Jesus follower is satisfying me. That Jesus follower is lifting me up. That Jesus follower is blessing me. I wonder if that's the Jesus in them. But if we... Put Jesus behind us and say what's most important is what I think and what I do and what I believe and the fact I don't like that person and I don't like those people. We hide Jesus from those people. That is not godly satisfaction. That is not the missionary people God has called us to be. Your satisfaction in God, beginning with these disciplines, beginning with obedience, will then lead us to satisfy others. And then... Whew, Hot in here, or is it just me? Then your satisfaction in God will be complete and eternal. 
verse, second half of verse 8, 8b. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear, God, their, uh, rear guard. There's some discussion is that your righteousness, God's talking to us, is that my righteousness, me being good, or is that God's righteousness working through me? The answer is yes. It's both. But it's God's glory that defends us. It's important that as we go forward, we see what's coming. And, and our righteousness allows us to do that. Our, our relationship with him lets us see what's coming. But in defense, it's probably more important to have somebody guarding behind. Because the, I'm not a school teacher. I was for three years. But I never grew the eyes in the back of my head. I'm not a mom, so I don't have them for that reason either. So I can't see what's sneaking up behind me. God sees. His glory protects us. It is complete. Verse 9a, at that time, you, when you will call, the Lord will answer. And when you cry out, he will say, here I am. It is complete. When we are in obedience, when we are in relationship with the Lord and our disciplines where we seek to increase that relationship with him, when we do those things for the right reason, with the right motive, with the right intent, and with the right heart, when we call out on God, he will say, He will say instead, here I am. Y'all got to be more excited about that. What will God say when we call out to him? Here I, isn't that beautiful? Isn't it wonderful that when we call on God, he says, here I am. He does not hide from you. He does not hide from me. If God is hard to hear, if God is hard to see, that is because of me, not because of him. That is because of you, not because of him. God wants to be found. God wants to work in your heart. And if he is not, if you are not experiencing complete satisfaction in him, it falls back on you. And then verse 11, the Lord will, how often or when? Always lead you. Always lead you. Satisfy you. Always is still modifying. Always satisfy you in a parched land. Always strengthen your bones. My salvation is secure and eternal through Jesus Christ. No matter what I go through on this earth, no matter what happens to me physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, none of that affects my eternity. Because God's hand, God's presence, God's satisfaction, God's leading of me is eternal. When I'm thirsty, I don't need to be thirsty. When I'm hungry, I won't be hungry. When I'm lost or feel lost, I won't be lost. When it feels like that I am drying up, that life is a desert, my life is a watered garden, and when it feels like I can no longer minister to anyone because of what's going on in here, God says, you will be like a spring bubbling up and watering those around you. God's satisfaction will be complete and eternal. And then we let our disciplines, verses 13 and 14, lead to a relationship that results in obedience. Maybe if you get the, the first cold religion doesn't satisfy, only the warm relationship of, with our Heavenly Father does, and you get the second thing, verse 11, the Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. If you get those two things, and you think, boy, I wish I could go away with a third thing this morning. Number three, let your discipline lead to a relationship that results in obedience. 
That would be your number three. I hope you get more than that. But, but hope, if, if you only get three, get that one. In our disciplines, we focus on God. When we're fasting, whatever it is we're fasting from, we are focusing on God, not what we're missing. In our, in our attacks, in our oppression, in, in those things that are overwhelming us, in our thirst, we don't focus on the thirst. We focus on the one who will supply something to drink. In our hunger, in our need, we don't focus on the hunger. We focus on the one who will provide the food that we need. When we are weak and we cannot go on, we don't focus on the fact that we think we're done. We are focused on the one who will always strengthen our bones. When we feel like our garden is drying up, our life is a desert, we don't focus on the barrenness. We don't focus on the lostness. We focus on the one that tells us we will be like a watered garden. And when it seems like the spring has run dry, when God has left us, when Jesus isn't there when there's nothing we can do we focus on the fact that we have a spring of eternal life that flows up in us and that spring will never run dry that is discipline that focuses on God and when you do that when in your discipline you focus on God you will delight in him you won't be able to help it y'all I mean if you go to Disney World and don't like it that's your fault that's not Disney World's fault. And I say that because I'm wearing my small world socks this morning, okay? <laughs> if you focus on what's there, you focus on what is meant to strengthen you, what is meant to supply your need, what is meant to satisfy you, you'll delight in it. If you focus on God, if in your disciplines you focus on him, you will delight in him. That's where you'll find your delight. He says in verse 13, if you keep from desecrating the Sabbath. See, he's going to another discipline here. He's talking about another discipline, keeping the Sabbath. For us, it would be worship. It would be attendance with our church body, our church family. The body of believers that we come together with weekly. If you do that, if you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasure or talking business, then you will delight in the Lord. Then, if you do all these things for the right reasons, don't give up the disciplines, do the disciplines for the right reasons, you will delight in the Lord. And, verse 14, I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob. In disciplines, if you focus on God, you will delight in him and he will satisfy you completely. He will be there for you. There will be no need, there will be no lack. Will you be hungry physically? Maybe. You'll never be without the bread of life. Will you be thirsty physically? Maybe. But you'll never be without the living water. Will, will it appear that your garden is dry, that, that, that your life is a desert? Possibly. But you are a tree planted by the waters. When you feel like there's nothing I can do for the Lord now, my life is just too messed up. There are just too many things wrong. He says, your spring will never run dry. 
he will satisfy you completely. Cold religion doesn't satisfy. Only the warm relationship with our Heavenly Father does. That relationship, if you're struggling, I don't have that relationship. I don't have that sort of warmth with the Lord. Maybe, maybe, hear me out, because you don't have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That is the only way that relationship with God is only found in Jesus Christ. You can only have that relationship through salvation. Oh, you can go through religious rites. You can be a member of a church and give and fast and do all these things. But you only have a cold, dead religion and not a warm, living relationship if that's what you do. You can only have that living, warm relationship through salvation. The book of Romans most clearly tells us how we can have that. Romans 3.23 tells us what the problem is, why we don't have that relationship. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners, therefore we all have a problem. We all have a barrier between us and God. There is no warmth. There is only enmity. There is only anger. There is only war between us and God because of our sinfulness. And it, 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 it's, it's an issue we all have, every one of us. And the, the, the result of that, the wages of that sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We repent and we believe. We can do that because Romans 5, 8 says God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We sang that this morning, first song. That while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. For me. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. That's it. That's, that's the message. So the salvation is there. The salvation is offered. And it is for everyone. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you want salvation this morning, repent of your sins, call on the name of the Lord, and if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That verse is just telling us that it has to be a whole body experience. Our head acknowledges, but our heart acknowledges it. In our head, we can certainly believe something, but not live it, not experience it in our soul. But we must experience that in our soul. And maybe, maybe that's what you want to do this morning. There'll be a time for you to respond and do that. But believer, there's going to be a time for you to respond as well. Have you sacrificed the warmth of a relationship for a cold religion? And this morning, do you want to re-enter that warmth? If there's some disciplines that would help you, great. Maybe it's just a, just a talking to you need from the Lord. Maybe today's that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you that when we try to replace the relationship with cold religion, you're there. You never leave us as believers. And we get sidetracked, God. We get pulled away. We get distracted. And you're there to draw us back. May we return to you and return to that warmth. And God, I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice that, that 
doesn't have that relationship, doesn't know what it means to live in the warmth of a relationship with you, that they would do that through Jesus Christ today, that they would seek you, that they would repent of their sins, and they would turn to Jesus and trust him for their salvation. Lord, you move on hearts today as you see fit. May we be open to respond as you call us, as we respond today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So maybe you need to accept Christ today. Maybe you want to talk about that with either me or uh, Tom over here on my right. I'll be over here to my left. Maybe you need to be baptized. You've trusted Christ, but you need to follow in obedience. Maybe you need to join our church. Today is a great time to say, look, I want to be a part of this church. Next week, we're going to have our discovery class, our new members class, so you can uh, be a part of that, become a member here. Maybe you have other things you need to do here at this, this prayer rail. Maybe you've done the cold religious rites, and today you want the warmth of a relationship. If you want Tom or me to pray for you, with you, we'll do it. Maybe you just need to go straight to the Lord. But whatever it is, whatever he's calling you to do, don't walk away from it. This morning, as we stand and we sing, you respond as the Lord calls you. Let's sing.